Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and joining me is LPJ professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts. We're broadcasting live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network, bringing you some of the best golfers, teaching professionals, and entrepreneurs helping to elevate women's golf. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning, so grab your coffee and let's get started. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, uh, of course, is my good friend and co-host, LPJ professional and Legends Tour player, Cindy Miller. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you? How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing fine for a Tuesday morning, another uh, bright, beautiful, sunny day, and uh, looking forward to, to getting out there and and uh, working on our craft, of course, helping others uh, get better in their game. We've got a great show, Cindy, this morning. We're going to be uh, speaking with uh, Maddie Zierick here in just a minute. She was the runner-up at the Zimmer uh, Biomet Championship that was hosted by Nancy Lopez. It was the inaugural event uh, held out at the Grand National, uh, the Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail in Opelika, Alabama, uh, this past weekend. And uh, then a little, little bit later on, you and I are going to talk a little bit about uh, over-parenting junior golfers, uh, and we'll get into that a little bit more uh, on this. Yeah, <laughs> I know we've touched on that before, but we're going to get a little bit, bit more detail, so uh, that'll be for an interesting discussion, and hopefully uh, parents that are listening to the show this morning, uh, you'll pick up some good tips from, from Cindy and I this morning, but uh, great show anyways. We're glad, everybody. Thank you for, for joining us. Uh, I'm going to tell uh, everybody a little bit about Maddie, and then we'll, we'll bring her on. As I, I said, uh, our very special guest this morning from the Symmetra Tour is Maddie Zierick. Uh, she is the uh, runner-up uh, to, and I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this, Nuria uh, Ideros. Uh, she was actually the winner of this weekend's event, but they were very, very close. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Nuria was not uh, able to join us. She headed right back to Spain, which is where she's from, uh, on a flight uh, right away, so she wasn't able to, uh, to come on the show as well. Uh, but we're certainly very grateful for, for Maddie, and we're going to talk to her uh, here in just a moment. She's 22, a native of London, Ontario, Canada. Uh, of course, my home country, and uh, she's a four-time collegiate tournament winner uh, for Texas A&M University, where she attended. Uh, she's also a four-time All-SEC first-team performer, uh, the first in, the, in its program's history. Uh, she also set the NCAA record with 91 rounds of par or better and holds uh, Texas A&M's record with 32 career top 10 tournament finishes. She also owns the Texas A&M career records for stroke average 71.61, uh, with 495 birdies, 11 eagles, and rounds played par or better rounds. Uh, she's also number one or T1 in the Aggie scoring records book for 18 holes, 8 under par, 63, 36 holes, 9 under par, 135, uh, the overall score, and 54 holes, 10 under par, 203. So a very, very accomplished player. And she also won uh, in January of this year, she won an event on the Cactus Tour in preparation for her um, uh, sort of inaugural, if you will, uh, time on the Symmetra Tour. So, uh, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest this morning, Maddie Zierick. Good morning. Hey. Good morning. How are you guys? We're doing well. Where are we? We are doing good. I'm actually in uh, Mississauga today at a media day for Team Canada. 
Well, la di da di da, you're only about oh. an hour and a half from me. I know. <laughs> How funny. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I've uh, frequented Mississauga many times. In fact, I used to work there for a number of years as well. So, um, I was mentioning to, to Maddie, of course, just before we went live, that uh, I'm also from Canada, so we've got something in common here. Um, Cindy, why don't you start us off uh, this morning, and uh, and then I'll pick up. So this is your first year out here. Tell us what you've learned so far. I've I've learned quite a bit. We've had the eight tournaments so far, and it's it's a it's a whole new experience for me, and I've I've really enjoyed it. But so different. I mean, nobody really tells you, you know, how to turn pro or what to do. So they just kind of you get in, and I was so exhausted after the first weeks because you know coaches are usually driving me around, but now I'm driving like myself to the tournaments and figuring out all the travel. But I mean, I definitely have learned a lot, and I've really enjoyed it. What is the best part of your game? I think uh, my putting is usually really strong, um, usually from like five, six feet, and I feel really confident over it that I have a good chance of making it. So that's kind of, I usually rely on my putting. Awesome. How, I'm looking at your stats right here. Mm-hmm. I'm snooping you out, Maddie. Wow. <laughs> Great. How, the heck, how do you hit a 248? You ought to be slapped. You're only five foot four. Uh, I know. Get a lot of roll on it. Oh uh, yeah, that's it's something I've had to work on and just kind of working out a lot and try to get some speed on it with not being very tall. How do you get the speed on it? What have you been doing? I need some yardage. Um, Give me some help. <laughs> We've used uh, like the speed sticks a lot and um, just kind of like some speed drills like in the gym. Yeah. Oh, that means I got to work out. <laughs> yeah. It helps. Oh, boy. Unfortunately. All right. Yeah. Hey, are you going to play in Rochester? I am. Yes. Yes. I'm looking forward to that one. It's actually my birthday during the tournament. Wow. So I'm looking forward to that. 23. You old woman, you. (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Ted, go. Yeah. Yeah. um, Let me just ask, yeah, let me just ask you something uh, real quick and then we'll get back uh, a little bit about the the tournament and the course uh, that you played this past weekend. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Cindy was mentioning about, you know, sort of increasing your speed and that to help with the distance. A lot of amateurs struggle uh, to get more distance. What do you think, obviously you've probably had the opportunity to play in some pro-ams along the way. What do you see as some of the, the most common mistakes a lot of the amateurs make in order to get more distance? Um, I think sometimes they they might try to like swing too much and then the inconsistent, like they swing too hard. And so then they can kind of spray it. So I think it just kind of, I mean, hitting it in the center is huge. That's where you kind of get a lot of the distance. It's when you're hitting it off the toe or heel where you lose distance and then you're in the rough and because they're trying to get too much on it. And it's like, okay, maybe slow it down a little and really get the center of the club face. 
So if you were if you were standing on the range and you saw a group of people sort of warming up and they're just you know I hate to coin the phrase but grip it and rip it, would you probably tell them to maybe slow it down to 75 or maybe 80 percent of their full swing, like just ease it, dial it back a little bit, and that should help a little bit. Obviously, there's other things that may need to be corrected. Right. But that's probably one of the common things. Is they're they're basically swinging until they come out of their shoes. And they're not yes. making good solid contact in the center of the club face. Yeah, that's that's what I figured. Yeah. So for those of you listening to the show, I hope that you take that to heart. You, yeah, you don't have to, to you know, rip the heck out of it in order to get it to go a long way. And, and as Maddie and Cindy pointed out with her stats, you know, she's hitting it well over 240, um, and she's only five foot four, so she's not a tall player, but she's able to get some distance. All right, so let's talk about the the tournament here. Um, you finished at 10 under. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Nuria, of course, finished 12 under to win the tournament. Um, were you in the lead at any point through the event? I didn't read through all the stats, so I'm not sure. Were you ever in the lead, or were you tied at any point, uh, or were you were you chasing her? What was the the overall uh, tournament? Um, I think in the third round, I think I had the lead for a little, and then um, this is what my friends who were there telling me because they only had a couple leaderboards, and then the last day we were tied for the lead uh, through a few holes. Um, and then I had not a, not a great hole, but then kind of came back to get back into the mix near the end. Right. So maybe a hole or so kind of let you down in mm-hmm. other words, and, and that sort of made the, the difference. What did you think of yeah. the course? Now I, I've been, I've been to that course. I've never played it, but I'm familiar with the course in Opelika what did you think of the setup to the course? Did it, did it sort of fit your eye? Did it, you know, obviously you, you shot a great score, so obviously it had to to a certain degree. But um, mm-hmm. does that make a difference for you, or do you get onto some courses that don't really fit your eye and you have a tough time? Uh, what, tell us a little bit about that. Totally. I mean, there's some courses where you just kind of struggle with, but this one I really liked, and it was the the greens were challenging, but they put a lot of the pins kind of in slope, so you could kind of go for the middle of the green and kind of work it towards the pin instead of having to go like right at it and being in trouble. And there's a couple reachable par fives and my wedges were really good this week. So if I wanted to lay up, I could have just laid up and hit a good wedge up there. And I, I did really well on the par fives this week. And I think that's where like a lot of my birdies came from and gave me opportunities. Yeah, and and that's really what the key is, and I think that's where another reason a lot of amateurs, you know, aren't able to score well is they don't know how to set themselves up. What would you mm-hmm. advise them if you were again, if you were with a, with a group of them, um, and you were going to help manage their round? What would, advice would you give to them uh, to look for when they get out in the golf course? Um, you know, obviously it's not going to be uh, you know swing mechanics and things like that. What would you tell them if you were going to advise them on how to play a round? I think you just have to really play to your strengths and kind of, you know, maybe if driver doesn't like fit your eye on that hole, you lay back to maybe a a club you're more comfortable with. And instead of, or like on a par five, if you go for it and you're like 30 yards short, but you're not great at 30 yards, then maybe you lay back to a fuller shot and, you know, you might be able to hit the shot a lot closer and have a better chance at making birdie or par. Yeah, so strategy is something um, that gives a better player more of an advantage. Because we've seen, and I'm sure you've seen, you see a lot of great uh, golfers out there that can hit the ball a mile, that can hit it pretty straight, but then they get mm-hmm. up in the golf course and it's just they can't seem to put it together. 
Um, they just yeah. have a they have a great time on the on the range, but then when they get up in the golf course, it's like, well, is that the same person I saw on the range, or is this somebody different showing up? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Right, and we've all seen that, and we we Cindy and I see that as instructors all the time. Um, I, I just want a, one more final question, and then then I'm going to pass it back over to Cindy. Um, as I mentioned in the beginning, you had a phenomenal um, uh, playing at uh, Texas A&M. You had a strong, strong mm-hmm. finish, but you mentioned something that was a, a very interesting um, that you answered to Cindy, that when you came out on, on tour, uh, it was a big difference. Now, obviously, the travel is one. What were some of the other things that, you, that you've not necessarily struggled with, but you found challenging since you've been out here on tour? Um, I think the, like, kind of booking your own travel and kind of figuring out, okay, where do I want to fly into? Do I get a rental car? Do I drive? Like, there's just so many other factors that you just didn't know about. And, like, because some, I mean, some airports are, it's more difficult to fly into. And um, I think that has kind of been the biggest thing and kind of knowing, okay, where should I, where do I go? How do I get there? Because usually, yeah, like, sure the coaches are, the coaches kind of say, ahead. oh, you just kind of follow them and go with them, and now you're kind of, nobody's telling you where to go. Yeah, and and that's tough because you said, you know, you said earlier on um, that, you know, obviously the coaches were sort of leading you around, and now you're doing this on your own, so you've got to be a, a good itinerary planner as well as a good player mm-hmm. to, to navigate uh, tour life, so... Um, some great advice and, and thanks for sharing that. Um, Cindy, go ahead. So speaking of that, do you travel by yourself? I I drive by myself, but I've had a couple of friends that we like caravan together. Like one of my friends, she just moved, so I'm um, living out of Dallas, and so we kind of drove up to Atlanta together because it's like a 12-hour drive. Um, so it's, you know, kind of, it's nice to have your own car, especially cause we're on such long, like week stretches. So it's, that's nice, but we've kind of been like traveling together. That's good because you're right. You know, what I found when I played was the first year was the hardest because you mm-hmm. absolutely don't know where you're going. You're not sure where to stay. You've never played the course before. So kudos to you for playing so well because it's an awful lot of things to juggle and manage. Mm-hmm. What, Thank you. What, yeah, great job because it's so difficult. What keeps you grounded? Um, I think just kind of, you know, the friends around me and my family and uh, my faith and just kind of, you know, sticking to the process and, just kind of focusing on, you know, the little steps to get to the big picture. Good, 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 good. What's your favorite part about playing? I think I love the competitiveness about it. And, you know, I've always, I've played other sports growing up and I just always kind of love the competition. And I mean, there's, with golf, it's, there's tons of competition. There's so many players. There's tournaments every week, so you're just constantly staying in competition. Awesome. And what's the hardest part, other than not knowing where you're going? <laughs> right. Um, I think I think it's also the constant travel. You know, sometimes you need a little break, and so we have like an eight-week stretch, and so I've decided to take Pottstown off to kind of get some rest because you've 
I mean, it's it's a lot of golf, and we're not even through halfway through the season yet. So I think you just have to learn to pace yourself. Good girl, good girl. You're absolutely right. And and sometimes if you feel like, oh, I really need to go do this and play, and I've got to make sure that I, mm-hmm. you know, keep my. It's like stop, stop. Don't chase the gerbil. Mm-hmm. You got to stay focused right. on the task at hand. Do you know um, Chris Stevens? Yes, I do. I do too. So do you? She's so nice. Does she come out? Yeah, she's awesome. Does she come out on the um, tour? She came out to one of us. She came out to Atlanta, and then I think she's going to be coming out um, later on. So I just met her for the first time in Atlanta. Awesome. Awesome. Tell her I said hello. Chris okay, runs I the fellowship on the tour, Ted. Well, I'm sorry. Run, I didn't hear that. She runs the fellowship on the tour, and she's awesome. Oh, okay. Very interesting. Um, so, Maddie, let me ask you, uh, I mentioned in the in the intro that you won an event on the Cactus Tour. What was the event that you won? Um, it was uh, just a, a Cactus event out in Phoenix, and it was kind of my, my first one. It was like the first, second week of January. Like, I'm just kind of coming back into tournament golf after a long break. So it was it was really exciting to kind of get that jump start and – um, to kind of get that reaffirmation that I'm, you know, doing the right thing. Are there are there moments, speaking of which, are there moments when you're out there, um, and I'm sure every pro at some point has these thoughts going in their head that, you know, am I really good enough to be out here? And when that happens, what do you do to, to, to overcome that? Totally. I think just kind of, you know, remembering that I have done well and that's, you know, why we're, you know, encouraged to write in journals, you know, when you are doing things well to kind of be able to go back and say, okay, no, I have done well. And I, this is, you know, how I got there. And, you know, it's golf, you know, you have up and down weeks, so you just kind of have to get through this and focus on the next week and know that you have done well, so you can do it. Right. Right. Yeah. You've got to, that sort of self-talk, if you will, is extremely important. Mm-hmm. Cindy and I have had the ple- yeah, Cindy and I have had the pleasure of interviewing quite a few of you young ladies from the Symmetra Tour here over the, the last several years, and you know there's sort of been a consistency in some of the dialogue. You know there'll be a stretch where, you know they're sort of riding high on the momentum of of their play, but then you know again, combination with the travel and and just sometimes the hectic schedule. Uh, it's very easy to kind of get into a, a, a slump or a funk, if you will, um, while mm-hmm. you're out there. So out, outside of play, when you when all of you girls are sort of out there at the different events, what do you guys do for fun? Um, we like to kind of, you know, see the city that we're in and kind of, you know, kind of explore it and maybe go see a movie or um, just to kind of, you know, try to find good places to go eat and, I mean, really just to see the cities that we're in and try to enjoy, you know, other parts of golf. Yeah, and, and, and that's good. I mean, I think the travel and, and kind of exploring, that's one of the, I think, one of the pluses besides playing competitive golf that you get to see a lot of different places that you might not mm-hmm. normally see if you were just sort of 
you know, working a regular nine to five job, uh, you know, sitting behind a desk somewhere. So I think that adds to the fun um, and, and sort of makes up for some of the, the hectic travel that can be involved is the fact that you do get to see a lot of different places. Um, Absolutely. You mentioned that you played, yeah, you mentioned earlier that you played uh, other sports growing up. What were some of the other sports um, that you played? I played soccer for a really long time and loved it. Like I uh, had to quit soccer and during high school because I would get injured and golf was the main thing. And I played uh, softball and basketball briefly, but it was mainly soccer and golf. Right. Now, who got you into golf? How did you start uh, and take an interest? Because, you know, not everybody, unless, you know, your family plays golf, not everybody gets introduced to the game. It's not like some of the others that you mentioned. Soccer, you know, of course, is very uh, big in most uh, school curriculum. Same with baseball and, and you know, of course, basketball. But golf's not as big, uh, in my opinion, through the school systems as some of the other sports. So who introduced you to, to golf? My dad introduced me to golf. I was uh, about seven. He played um kind of for fun he played baseball in college so he was very you know into sports and so we just kind of went out uh for fun one time and I really enjoyed it and then started to get into summer camps and then got my own coach very good now does he still play a lot uh no he doesn't play very much he he's pretty busy with me and my younger sister so we're we're trying to get him back out there (laughs) <laughs> maybe maybe you shouldn't beat him next time. That's probably what happened. Is you probably now that he yes. knows you can beat him, he's probably a little shy to go out in the golf course. Um, probably. You know, Cindy hit. Yes. <laughs> well, that usually happens. I know when I first started to beat my father, uh, he kind of suddenly lost the interest in the game. He was proud of me, but he wasn't wasn't as happy about it when uh, when he was starting to lose. But. Um, So you mentioned you have a younger sister. Um, Does she also have an interest in golf, or does she have other activities? Yes, she she golfs as well. She'll be going to Texas A&M as well in 2020. Oh, okay. So is there a little uh, competitive rivalry there? Definitely. We love to go out and play together and do a little trash talking and so we have a good time Very with good. it. So you're going to be, so you're going to be like the next Pressel, uh, Morgan and her uh, sister. You're going to be the next Pressel twins, if you will, out on out of the yeah. golf course. Yes. <laughs> Very good, um, Cindy. Any any final questions or, or closing thoughts before we let uh, Maddie go? No, just Maddie, I'm very proud of you. Great job. Continue to stay focused on the task at hand and know that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we we appreciate, Maddie, you taking time out of your schedule. And and, uh, when's the uh, next event that you're going to be playing in? It starts June 7th through the 9th in South Bend, Indiana. Awesome. Okay, and what's the event? Uh, it's a Symmetra event. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's just one of the Symmetra events. Okay. Well, good luck on awesome. that. And, uh, yeah, we've uh, enjoyed uh, having you join us this morning on the show. And uh, keep up Thank the great you. work. And, uh, and work on your dad getting back out in the golf course. <laughs> okay. 
Awesome. All thank right. you thank for you very having much, me. Maddie. You're very welcome. Good luck. Bye. Bye. All right, that was Maddie Zurich, uh, runner-up from this past weekend, Zimmer uh, Biomet Championship, uh, hosted by, of course, Nancy Lopez. Um, and uh, this was their inaugural event, Cindy, so it was obviously a uh, uh, big one, and, and I can't think of a better person to really uh, host it than Nancy Lopez. I mean, she's uh, a, a true ambassador to the game, and I'm sure she uh, enjoyed being a part of the uh, uh, the program, and of course, watching some of the newer up-and-coming golfers uh, as they work their way towards the LPGA uh, regular tour. So, um, very interesting event, and, uh, and and again, the Robert Trent Jones Trail in Alabama. I think there's 10 courses, and the one in Opelika is is very very nice. Again, I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but uh, it's a very nice course. Um, we're going to talk about Cindy in just a few moments about overparenting uh, the junior golfers out there. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But first, Cindy, I think we're going to uh, listen to a little promo that you uh, put together. Just uh, set us up, and, and then we'll play it. Well, I we all know that the game of golf has long been used as a business tool, and I believe that um, you should everyone should learn how to use the game of golf and learn to play for not only recreation but fun and for family time, so go for it. Perfect. Everyone knows business deals are made on the golf course. Knowing how to act is just as important as how you hit it. As an LPGA professional and corporate trainer, I offer workshops, seminars, and executive retreats to teach you how to do both. From the back nine to the boardroom, improve your team from the inside out, or Golf 101 for executives might be the perfect fit for your team. Maybe it's time to make some deals on the course. For more information, go to cindymillerinc.com. Very good. And again, don't forget to go to cindymillerinc.com after the show, and you can reach out and get in touch with Cindy there if you're interested in uh, working with her in that capacity. All right, Cindy, I thought uh, an interesting discussion that we would have this morning, and I know we've touched a little bit about this. We'll talk about some other areas. And one of the reasons I... I wanted to have this uh, on this show was this past Thursday on uh, the other uh, program that I do, Golf Talk Live, I had a young lady who I know you're familiar with, Nicole Weller. Uh, she's the head professional out at um, in Savannah, Georgia, and uh, she works quite a bit with juniors, uh, obviously teaches others as well, but works a lot. We had, in addition to her, uh, I had three parents of some of her students that came on as well and talked about that. And they had some very interesting comments, and, and we had a great dialogue for, for about an hour on the show. Of course, we're not going to do quite that much here. We've only got a, a little bit uh, more time left. But I thought it was a very interesting discussion, and I thought I would really like to get particularly your thoughts. And I'm going to kind of recuse myself here. I'm not a parent, so I don't have uh, little ones out there uh, playing. Uh, but I think I can add some uh, thoughts into it as well. So the first thing, Cindy, I want to talk about is um, – you know, if you've got a junior, for the parents out there that maybe already have somebody, a, a junior golfer uh, playing out there, or maybe uh, parents that maybe have thought about, uh, you know, exposing their, their young ones to, to golf, how much involvement, um, let's say, let's start with like the really young kids, uh, maybe ages four or five and, and, and uh, maybe even up to seven, how much involvement uh, is too much to introduce the child to? And what about the parents? How much involvement should they uh, take in that particular uh, situation? Well, it, it, to me, 
I think we need to figure out what the parents' goals are. If you, right. you know, if if you just want to expose your child to the game of golf and let them learn how to play, or and get them lessons, then I think that's a good thing. If you become overbearing and try to teach them and tell them everything they're doing wrong and criticize and condemn, we've gone beyond the barriers. And it's very difficult, you know, in our position as teachers, we kind of have to say, you know, this is what we teach. Um, like I've got, you, you got to keep your head down. You're looking up. And I'm like, you know what? Yep. We don't really say that here because if your child's a good athlete and they look at the top of the ball, they're going to hit the top of the ball. So I don't want them to look at the ball. I want them to brush the grass. And if you say it in such a way that's non-threatening, I think they get it. Um, we both want them to hit the ball well, all three of us, really, the child, the parent, and I. But I've right. taught an awful lot of kids whose parents think that they've got the next, next Tiger Woods or Michelle Wee or Brooke Henderson or whoever <laughs> it might be. And um, right. it's really sad. It's really sad. And I, there's a young girl that I used to teach that I tried to – I probably overstepped my boundaries, but at this point it was for the child's well-being and said, you know, you need to stop. And needless to say, they found another teacher, and Mm -hmm. some of the kids that I teach told me, you know, she's slamming clubs on the golf course now. She's 11. She's 11. Slamming clubs on the golf course, yelling at her father, and they're very well-to-do. And it's like they finally bought her a dog. And I was thrilled, and I said, you know what? Why don't you just go play today? Play with dolls. Go watch TV. Go do something besides golf. So it's just, right. they're going to get so burnt out. And there was a principal of a school that was watching this happen and said, this girl's not going to make it through high school. And it's like, you just have to stop. You're ruining yeah. your child. Yeah, and that's a that's some great points. You know, Cindy, in our discussion Thursday night, you know, Nicole talked about that very thing, and she mentioned uh, again a situation that she uh, had shared um, where the child was continually looking over for her. Uh, I think it was a young girl uh, for her parents' approval, and that's another telltale sign too. I mean, obviously, every child you know wants the approval of their parent they want to know they're doing a good job and you know at a boy at a girl whatever the case may be but there comes a point in time where they're not really focusing on what they're doing or having fun they're more concerned are they doing it right according to the parents wishes and the other thing that was very interesting was you know during tournaments um, this particular uh, parent was sort of running up the the fairway and yelling things out to the child, you're not doing this, you're not doing that, which it's already a pressure cooker in, in even junior golf for some of these youngsters. And to have your parent constantly shouting things out at you, you know, good or bad, uh, is detrimental to that child's learning. And, uh, you know, as instructors, you know, Cindy, as you pointed out, you're kind of walking a fine line because you want to be there 
and you want that parent support, but at the same time, if it's starting to um, overshadow the work that you're doing, um, that's not a good thing, right? Absolutely, absolutely. It's just, ugh, it's just so sad. And yeah, and and we've seen this time and time again. And again, I'm kind of recusing myself for for two reasons. One, you know, I don't have children, so you know, I don't know what it's like to be a parent. So I, I can certainly appreciate and empathize with with parents out there that have to deal in situations. Uh, and I don't teach a lot of juniors. I have taught some, but I focus in a different area. But you know, I've been around enough people and talked with enough people to understand. Uh, a little bit about it. So uh, that's why I really uh, am sort of relying on you a little bit for this conversation this morning. But the other thing too is, is the schedule. Um, you know, and, and I want to talk a little bit about this, but, you know, Cindy, because I know that you, uh, your son, Jamie, of course, played golf and, um, you know, it requires not just his schedule, but sometimes an adjustment in your schedule, especially when they're younger. I mean, obviously he's older now and, uh, he's quite mobile, but, um, you know, when he was younger, I'm sure he had to rely uh, on you and Alan to, uh, to to help navigate around just because either he didn't drive or, uh, or you know, you had to have some involvement. So how did you fit that into the family schedule? Well, it was crazy. It's just, again, it's just like hockey or baseball or soccer, or anything the kids do, sometimes it becomes, you know, the whole family um, lifestyle is is surrounded around or dependent upon the kids' schedule. So I think there needs to be balance. And I'm not sure that parents really sit back, you know, once they get gung-ho, and I like them being excited, that's great, but plan accordingly and 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 hopefully the parents play golf and you just go out and play nine holes and have fun you know again that would be the best case scenario is to be able to have family that plays together and not just the child playing it's almost like a job and it's just it's very very it's time consuming it's expensive and, you know, we've discussed mm-hmm. uh, on the show the fact that most other countries have junior teams, national teams. And Maddie just right. said, you know, she's in Mississauga for a national team meeting for the Canadian golfers. Mm-hmm. Well, the United States doesn't have that. So if you're on a national team and you live in another country and you're the only way to make the national team is to be good, but most of the expenses are covered then. Whereas in the United States, the expenses right. are not covered, and it's very, very costly and mm-hmm. time-consuming and, you know, all of the above. Now, is it worth it? Well, it depends on what you're trying to get out of it. <clears throat> I mean, again, if you're trying to play college golf, yes, it's worth it, the investment. You know, if you spent yeah. two or $3,000 yeah. a year on golf lessons, you know, from the age of eighth grade to – senior year that's five years that's only fifteen thousand dollars you know what's college cost so right yes you'll you'll get the investment back especially if you're a girl it's much easier for for girls to get um college scholarships but you know again 
It's very, very time-consuming. Is it worth the effort? Absolutely. What does your child learn? Even if they never play in college, mm-hmm. they learn how to follow rules. They learn etiquette. They learn respect. You know, you name it. Yeah, you're exactly right, Cindy. And there's a lot of integrity as well. I mean, it brings in the integrity of the individual, not just as a player, but as a person. You know, are they are they cheating? You know, are they being ethical out in the golf course? In, in the case of the example you gave a few moments ago, you know, are they whipping clubs down? You know, how's their anger management out there? I mean, that's a telltale sign right there, um, how they conduct themselves. You know, golf has always been um, sort of the leader, if you will, in, in sort of a self-discipline. You know, when you're playing in a team environment, you kind of get, you know, charged up and jazzed up with, with your fellow players. But uh, with the exception of obviously collegiate golf, uh, you're out there by yourself, and you have to have, um, you know, incredible focus and determination and, and grit, if you will, uh, all by yourself. Um, you may be working with a coach or you may be working with a teaching professional that can, um, you know, help navigate those waters uh, leading up to the event. But once you step out on that first tee, you're there by yourself, <laughs> and uh, you have to recall and, and, and do that. And, and I just want to touch about the, the uh, uh, financial a little bit as well, Cindy. Uh, very quickly before we move on, um, you know, I think the key thing, and, and I'm, I'm sure you probably agree with this, um, you have to let the child lead you um, within reason. Obviously, you know, if they, they want to uh, do certain things that are just outside of your, your, your family budget or what have you, but um, most parents will find a way if, if it's something that's meaning a lot. But you have to really sit down with the child and and understand what it is that they want. It's not about what you want. Like you said, you know, uh, they may have some God-given talent and they may get out there on tour and, you know, at some point later on or they may get in collegiate golf if that's the direction they want to go. But the the number one killer that, that I think you would agree we see is parents pushing them based on their will, not the child's <laughs> will. And that's what caused a lot of children to get out of these programs, whether it's golf or something else, because the parents are more imposing their will or their desires on the child. Do you, Cindy, when you're working with a a new student, uh, regardless of what age that's coming in, do you sit and have a discussion not only with the child but with the parents as well? I do have a discussion with the parents. And I'm very, um, I'm very open and honest with them. I like the child right. to start with U.S. Kids Golf if possible. The other thing that we're doing this year is we've got a PGA Junior League team, and I've, for some reason this winter, I've had a three or four young men who played hockey who had concussions got concussions, mm-hmm. and they need to, like, not play hockey anymore. So they're a little older. They're, like, 12, 13, 14, and they now want to play golf because they can't play hockey, and they're a little behind right. most of the kids in their age group. And my fear is I don't want them going to play in a Western New York PGA Junior tournament where some of these kids have been playing in tournaments since they're 8 years old, and there's a 13-year-old who's new you know, you've got to be very aware of how self-conscious they could be. So the PGA Junior League is the perfect place for them right. to start because they it's a team thing and it's a scramble. So it's okay if you miss a shot and it's not a big deal. And 
you know, the stakes are really low and they play the course short and it's, it's a great introduction to playing competitive golf with not a lot on the line. So right. I try to, I try to sway the parent right. and, and the child, you know, I've got another young girl who hated playing in tournaments, but yet she's really gotten better. She came to boot camp with us. And I said, you know what, if you like, she likes her golf team. She hates individual tournaments. So, <laughs> yeah, I, and because of the parents. I mean, the parents at these Western New York Junior Tour events need to be banned from the golf course. And um, Right. So I just, I, I, I kind of tried to reason with the young girl, and I said, look, you know, if you want to play golf in college, you have to get over this. I mean, there's points where I understand how you feel. And the parents are too pushy. Like if she catches somebody cheating, it's almost like the parents are trying to allow their kid to cheat. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. You can't do that. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's a, it can be a mess. But you have to be honest. And, you know, you've got, yeah. you've got to tell so, Right. So, so what do you do in a case like that? So, you know, you, if you've got a parent who um, has a child that, you know, let's say they are uh, a more accomplished player and, and uh, you know, you see the p- potential in them. And I want to talk about both uh, ends of the spectrum here, uh, but we'll start with the, the more accomplished player. So we see a, a player that's more accomplished, um, that has some really good potential, um, but, you know, as in anything, you want to let it, sort of unfold naturally you don't want to get I mean there's a time to kind of push and and egg them along and encourage them if you will Um, and then there's a time to sort of draw back and just let them play and when you see a parent who is uh, and again I'm sure you've seen many that get out there in these uh, events and they're they're just you know going crazy and and gangbusters and and really driving um, you know that child in a direction that's not in their best interest You've got to kind of find a balancing act because at the same time, you know, you want to continue working and helping that child develop their game uh, if that's what they want. But at the same time, um, you know, you've got to sort of rein those parents back and say, hey, you know, just let the child play. Let them develop naturally. And, and, you know, this constant pressure and pushing is going to end up being detrimental to them in the long run. How do you have that conversation? Because it's not an always easy one to have, I'm sure. What are your thoughts? Well... Again, I use Alan in my experience. I I might share with them that Alan's father pushed him to, right. you know, the point of, you know, he had to drink for liquid courage. Mm-hmm. And he eventually tried to commit suicide. And, you know, that this is not a good thing. Right. You can't put that much pressure on your child. And so I, I just you have to say is this is what you want. It's not what they want. They're the ones that are swinging the club and they're the ones that are scared to death out there and they're playing for you. They're looking for your approval and for your love. And you need to make it known to them that Mm -hmm. you love them no matter what they shoot or what they do, because that's not what they feel. And, and so that being said, you know, I lose students because of that. But I feel as though I must do that to protect the child. And the child knows that yeah. I'm on their side. The parent then 
right. just to go somewhere else. So it's like, how much do you sit back and let, you know, again, it's like, should I be their golf mother? Do they need me? And how much can I fight with the parent? And, you know, eventually, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. unfortunately, they're going to learn that I'm right. And it may not be a good thing. Right. Right. And, and, and again, I understand from the parent's perspective, you know, I, I think that all parents mean well. Um, but here's another scenario, and, and again, this one's a little bit different. But you know, a lot of parents again feel that you know, their child's going to be the next whatever, um, and maybe the child just truthfully doesn't have the skill or the talent or even the drive um, because it takes a special individual. I mean, to get to the level, goodness knows, just to even get out on tour takes a huge commitment. But to be a top elite player even that much more, you've got to step up your game. If you've got a situation, Cindy, where you certainly want the child to get out there and have fun, but they just really, you're just sensing, you're just seeing through, um, you know, their play and and their commitment that is just not there. Um, The child might have an easier time accepting it, but sometimes the parents do. That's a different conversation. What do we we say or how do we talk? And the reason why I want to do this, because again, if parents that are listening you know, it's time to get real. Um, you know, your child's uh, interests are, are the ones that are that are in the forefront, not your own. And sometimes your child is just not just does not have the God-given talent to be, you know, the next uh, Michelle Wee or, or Tiger Woods or whatever the case may be. Um, and nobody better, with the exception of the child, can help you assess that than somebody like Cindy Miller. So, Cindy, how do you have that conversation when you know that that child is just not likely going to get to that level? How do you get real with them and and not, you know, derail or squash uh, a child's dream necessarily or even the parents? Well, so, again, it's like last week, Leona McGuire, when I said to her, you know, we asked her, what were your thoughts? And she said, well, I knew if I got it to 10 under par, I'd have a chance. And what I said to her was, it's amazing to me, you know, it's like just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. And it is just the facts. And so I say, well, what are they shooting, right? And what she, I I had a young girl who wanted to play at Penn State. And the girl's shooting 85 to 95 in tournaments. And I said, okay, what's the worst right. player on Penn State's golf team shoot? Well, they're shooting like high, high 70s, low 80s. I said, okay. And they're playing from 500 yards longer than you're playing from. So I'm not going to tell you you can't right. do this, but I'm going to tell you that we need to get better. And how much effort are you willing to put in? I- again, it's, it's not an emotional decision. It's a fact. You have to shoot right. scores. And, and again, I will tell kids, I said, look, let's go look at the Penn College Guide. Let's see what you're shooting. What grade are you in? Where would you love to go? How much do you want to study? You know, I, I've got a young girl who really wants a great school, who shoots, you know, 78 to 90, Right. She's going to be a walk-on right. at Towson University with Lisa Ferraro. So Lisa said to her, you know, mm-hmm. you're probably not going to play on the team. Well, this young girl wants to fight to win. 
So she's working really, really hard to shoot better right. scores. She wants to study really hard. I've got another young girl yep. who didn't want to work that hard, wanted to be in a sorority, wanted to have fun. She goes to John Carroll. She shoots in the high 70s, low 80s. She just won, uh, you know, conference player, whatever, of the, you know, one of the things. And she, she shoots high 70s, low 80s, and she's thrilled. She goes, I don't really even need to practice. Yep. So, it's, you know, what kind huh. of – what do you want to do? And it's okay if you don't want to practice. Don't pretend you do and then not do it. So I, I have a conversation right. with the child, with the parent, you know, and then they say, well, we can't get in here that much. Well, then you can't put in the work. And if you can't put in the work, that's fine. Now, there's a guy in Rochester who charges parents $4,000 a year, and the kids can come in uh, as much as they want so many times a week. And a couple of our students have gone over there. Well, they're not – they're two or three shots better than they were last year. You know, so are you getting out of it what you're putting into it? See, that's the other thing. We've got kids that just tried to qualify for the New York State High School Championship. You know, so they're hitting it great with me. They go out and shoot 89. I'm like, okay, what's that about? Well, it played long. I said, that's not an excuse. You know, right. don't go there. Uh, you, you can't mess with me or Alan because we've done this for a living. You know, now why did you make right. a triple? Well, I did this, I did this, I did this. Okay, so if we can eliminate the doubles and triples, now we're going down to 82, you know. And the other part of it is if you reach for something really high, like let's say you want to be on a D1 golf team that's really good, and then you you text me and say I tied for second and you shot 88, you're allowing the tide for second to make you feel good. Right. And if 77 was low, you follow what I'm saying? You know, right, and, exactly. And these poor kids, if their parents are pushing them, I've got another one who finished triple, triple to be in a playoff as an alternate to get an alternate spot, and she missed, but she won the playoff. Well, why did you go triple, triple? Now, she told me, so get this. On the 17th hole, she had to hit it over the water. She didn't want to go in the water, so she took an extra club. She hit it so far that it went the, over the green behind a tree. Then she had to, I said, you know what? That's okay. I'm proud of you. You made the right choice mm -hmm. getting the ball over the water. Now, you kind of got a little screwed, but good job for making right. the right choice. You know, I don't right. care that you missed it. Great job on the on the playoff to win the playoff, right? And then she texted mm -hmm. me this week. I finally broke 40 for nine holes. I shot 39, 41. I shot 80. I said, good job. You can do this. They need someone they can talk to and talk through their round that understands where they're coming from. And the other thing is it's okay to be afraid. And if – We've got another right. young man who, you know, went out and he's been shooting at a low 80, shot 99 in a tournament. I said, what happened? I don't know. I said, well, come on. we got to face it. You know, if we don't expose the elephant, he's going to come back and bite us. And it comes up that he was absolutely afraid of playing bad. Well, guess what's going to happen? You're going to play bad. So each time, if you love them where they're at and you talk with their parents with them, 
and show them love and don't judge, you can mm-hmm. turn things around. Yeah, great, great points uh, all around. You know, I think the underlying thing, Cindy, that we really want to stress to parents is, you know, we certainly want to encourage you to, you know, introduce your child to the game and give them, you know, the choice and and certainly help to create the opportunities, um, you know, to get out there and, and at least be exposed to the game. But then you have to kind of step back and let, once that exposure has happened, let the child decide, you know, if this is something that they would like to explore a little bit more, you kind of take baby steps, you know, introduce them at a, at a young enough age, um, because you know yourself, and I'm sure you've experienced this, you know, with your children, that um, what might be fun today might suck tomorrow, and, and some, they've got a different interest, you know, a week from now. So, you know, just because they've expressed an interest in, in golf this week doesn't necessarily mean that they're still going to be in love with it next week. So, you know, before you go out and, and make a huge investment and commitment of time, you know, let things play out naturally, as I said earlier. Let it sort of unfold naturally and, um, you know, kind of see where it goes. And, and you'll get a sense. I mean, if your child is, is excited and, and, again, kind of jazzed up about the experience, they're going to want to pursue it more. And if they decide again next week, that doesn't necessarily mean that they've lost complete interest, but maybe they, they just don't feel like doing it this week. So cut them some slack. Don't push them or don't egg them on and say, well, you got to get out there if you want to make that D1 college. Um, because ultimately what they're going to do is they're not doing it for themselves at that point. They're doing it to please um, and, and get the accolades from you. And there's going to be some point down the road, as, as we've you know, discussed here today, where there's going to resentment's going to build in. Um, they have to have that desire themselves, and you can certainly be encouraging, I think, as a parent, and you can certainly, uh, you know, um, do things to again to expose them to whatever the activity may be. In this case, golf, um, but you've got to know when to step back, and that's not always an easy thing, I'm sure, for a lot of parents. And Cindy, I'm sure you've and Alan experienced that uh, with your children growing up, but. I think in the case of playing competitive golf, it takes, as you've pointed out, a big commitment. And that child has to work into that commitment. They can't be pushed or forced into it. And if they are, uh, again, uh, it's not going to more than likely have a happy ending. And we've seen that time and time again. Uh, it, it's going to change the makeup of that individual. And, uh, and you know, they're not going to do it, be doing it for the right reasons. Um, and, and again, you've got to, You've got to be realistic. As you pointed out, Cindy, golf can be a very expensive game, but it can also be very rewarding in many ways. So, you know, you've got to sit down as a family. Obviously, as parents first, you've got to sit down, okay, what can we truly and honestly afford? Um, We've got to budget ourselves. Um, But, again, you've got to let the child dictate what their interest in and not push it because you don't want to be, as you said, you know, planning for the next 10 years of their life um, and then find out, you know, in year two that they, they're not interested and you've spent all this money, um, and then you become even further frustrated. So what would you say to a parent that has not introduced their child to golf? What would be the first logical step in your mind for a parent? You mean where should they start? Yeah, where should they start? If a parent's listening to the show this morning – and maybe they've got a child that they would love. Maybe they've played it. We we'll use Maddie as an example. Her father introduced her to the game. So obviously we want to introduce them. But how much is, is 
the right amount, in your opinion, for that first initial step? What would be the right course of action to take for that very first step? Well, I would go to uskidsgolf.com, and I would look up coaches, and I would search for a coach in your area, and then I would email the coach and find out what their programs are and what's available, and if the coach has clubs. So no one has to own golf clubs for mm-hmm. to come in for a lesson with me. I have clubs they can use, and I tell them to come in right. for an intro lesson first just to see if they like it and me and want to continue. And if they do, they can, um, you know, come to groups. They can do private lessons. I do U.S. Kids Girls Golf. Um, there's all, I, We do junior lessons uh, twice a week, every week. And then we do private lessons six days a week. So I would go to uskidsgolf.com and search for an instructor near you because – I I believe for someone to be really good at teaching kids, they have to be certified to teach kids. And that's just my personal opinion. And I would start there. No. Yeah, I I would agree wholeheartedly with that. And I think it's a good idea. uh, And in my opinion, I think for the parents, you know, if you've got a child that's, uh, you know, expressed an interest or, you know, maybe, you know, dad or mom and dad have taken him or her to the, to a range and, and, you know, put a club in their hand and they've, you know, taken a, a swipe or two at a golf ball and, and it seemed fun to them and you want to give them an opportunity to pursue it further, I, I think you should do exactly what, what you just said, Cindy. And I think the parents need to go down. And, and I, I just want to take one uh, – sort of take it one step further. I think it's important for the parents to, to really go to meet with that or communicate with that uh, professional that's in their area after they've done what you suggested, go to U.S. Kids Golf and find a coach in their area um, and communicate with them, but have some questions in mind. You know, put some questions down, and don't be afraid to ask them because I think it's not just about um, the qualification of the instructor that you need to know. It's also about the realistic um, avenues that you're going to be faced with as a person that's going to introduce there. I mean, again, there's costs involved, not just with the lessons, but uh, obviously down the road, equipment and things like that, and have an honest discussion with that coach and decide whether or not this is a commitment, first off, that you're going to be able to afford to do, uh, but also um, that you're going to be realistic along the journey and understand some of the, um, you know, sort of the do's and don'ts, if you will. Um, you know, how much encouragement do you need to give and, and when do you need to step back type of thing. And obviously, you know, the coach is not there to tell you how to be a parent, but they're there based on their experience. Um, they know from what they've seen over the years when parents can sometimes get a little bit too pushy with the child and, and obviously the, the adverse effect it has down the road. So I think those are conversations that you need to have right from the get-go before you make a further commitment. Um, agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, Cindy, that was a, a very interesting discussion. I, I appreciate uh, a lot of your thoughts and input. Obviously, you have a, uh, an in, the inside scoop, and you've done a great job, obviously, uh, with both of your uh, kids. Um, and, uh, you know, they've obviously – uh, love the game and, and are involved in it in, in different capacities. But uh, obviously, uh, you know, you've, you've done the right thing over the years and you want to do the same uh, for many of the younger uh, kids that are uh, starting to develop or starting to show an interest. So uh, reach out to CindyMillerInc.com uh, and uh, you can get all of her contact information there and have a great discussion with her uh, both as a parent and also as a child uh, if you want to pursue golf as uh, 
whether it's just a, a game of fun for you or whether you're interested in competitive golf, uh, she's the one to reach out to uh, in your area. Cindy, as always, thank you very much. It's been a great show. We appreciate our special guest, Maddie Zierick, uh, from the Smetra Tour, joining us this morning as well. And we hope that you'll join Cindy Miller and I. I'm Ted Rico next week here on The Women of Golf. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Thanks for listening this morning to the Women of Golf show. Tune in live each week by visiting blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. If you can't join us live, check out our on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. To get updates for future shows and upcoming guests, you can follow us on Facebook at Women of Golf. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO and Cindy at Cindy Miller Golf. Please remember to join us next week on the Women of Golf Show. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.